Welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue, your series-by-series check-in for Cubs news, notes, and banter. You can find us on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for Bleed Cubby Blue and subscribe so you never miss an episode. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about the Cubs at Bleed Cubby Blue, which is part of the SB Nation family of team sites. Hi, guys. I'm Andy Cruz Vanasek, and man, am I relieved that that is over. (laughs) I literally, like, was thinking, I'm like, the first thing I'm going to say is I'm so glad that road trip is over. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. It was brutal. Uh, Yeah, so if you didn't happen to see the Cubs' last four games at Dodger Stadium, congratulations. You're one of the lucky ones. Uh, (laughs) What can I say? It was not pretty. The Cubs won one out of the four games, and we'll get we'll get into it because that a couple of the games looked better than that. But it just, yeah, the West Coast never seems ni- like kind to this team. I don't know. I was kind of dreading this road trip when I saw it, and I don't like being right about things. But two out of seven between the Rockies and Dodgers just doesn't that doesn't feel great. Well. I think this is a historic feeling, too, because I remember feeling like this for years and years and years, that just going out west was just not enjoyable. It just always felt like, I mean, you know, understandably, when we were bad, it was not fun. But even when we had, you know, a couple stretches of good baseball and we would go out west, it was just like, no, please don't do this to us. Not now, you know, we were on such a roll and to have to go out there and Oh gosh. It's just, it's brutal. It's tough. You know, you got to do it. So you might as well just get, get it over with, but just one of those things where right when you start to feel like you have a little bit of momentum or like, you know, you feel like things might start working somehow or another, that Pacific time zone just crushes our hopes and dreams over one weekend. It's just not fun. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, Let's just jump right in to some of these games to catch people up in case they weren't paying too close of attention. Uh, The first game was Lester versus Kershaw. And, you know, it was funny. This game started off kind of exactly like what we had talked about (laughs) on the podcast. And I was I was laughing a little bit because the Cubs have really been pretty good against Kershaw. They, They jumped out to an early lead on a couple of home runs. I was feeling good for a split second. And then Lester got Bellingered and Muncie'd. And he just gave up. I mean, he was giving up some dingers, um, and the Cubs did not battle back and get that lead back. They couldn't keep up in what ultimately was like a battle of dingers and wound up losing that battle 7-3. to three. Well, and also something I wanted to note, because I did write this down when I was watching the game, um, he did not seem the same. Lester did not seem the same after he got hit by that that uh, comebacker. He got I agree. hit in the foot with that comebacker, and he was just not the same. Like, there was something, either his foot was barking at him, it was bothering him a little bit, or his mental game just got thrown off. But he just was not, he did not look like the same pitcher. I mean, we very easily could have divided that game into two games also. I mean, it was just, it was crazy how much different he looked after he got hit. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that he looked really good and then took that comebacker to, um, like, the outside of his foot, basically. And everything after that was not great. <laughs> Yeah, it was bad. It was it was not good at all. And it was one of those things where you could just feel his frustration. You knew that um, he was rolling and he was dealing and he felt great. And it was, you know, I think I even, I don't know if I tweeted at you or messaged you, but I was even like, gosh, this is crazy. This is exactly what we said. 
And, you know, and then all of a sudden it was like, just everything spiraled out of control and it was completely downhill. And, and kind of the series was downhill at that point. The next day, speaking of hills, was Rich Hill versus Kyle Hendricks. <laughs> Hendricks, not Kendricks, A-Rod. Um, <laughs> and the Cubs, jumped, the Cubs jumped out to an early lead again. Stop me if you've heard this before. On a couple of home runs, this time Wilson Contreras and David Bodie. And Hendricks just lost it. <laughs> Gave up a home run to somebody named Matt Beattie who's apparently the new Dodger that comes out of nowhere to kill us all. Uh, and Justin Turner, who, okay, so I, I just have to flag something here that was such a random moment from my week, but really summed up how random and weird West Coast trips are. Apparently, out on the West Coast, like, there is a convenience store mascot. Have you seen this? Uh, no, not that I know Okay, of. so I didn't know this was a thing. Apparently, this thing is, like, like shows up at Dodger Stadium. It's basically like it looks like Justin Turner plus gritty plus but like made of snack food. <laughs> anyway, what? A friend I swear to god, I swear to god, I t- I tweeted about this cuz I was so like what is this thing? A friend of mine was at the game and took a picture of it and he's like, "Oh yeah, that's Toonji's the snack giant." Apologies if I'm pronouncing this wrong cuz I have no idea how you're pronouncing it. I'm doing it totally phonetically. And I <laughs> I just about lost it. I'm like, I could not believe there's a convenience food, Justin Turner, that shows up at Dodger Stadium, but there is. Um, anyway. So weird. So, so I will never look at Justin Turner the same again, because now all I'm going to see is <laughs> Toomji's the snack giant that is made of, like, I don't I don't know, like, hot dogs, and his hair is, like, red vines. I, it's weird. I, I'm going to tweet this from our <laughs> Cup of Cubby Blue account, that if you're not following, what? you need to follow now just so you can see Toomji's the snack giant. Which I was just like, what is going on in L.A.? <laughs> um, oh, girl, there is so much going on in L.A., but I did not know this was going on. And now I definitely need to look this up. Like, oh, I am yeah. slightly, I'm slightly concerned. Like, oh, yeah. Who, well, and, who... and it's wild because so I like tweeted just kind of a thing that was like, I can't believe this exists. And AM, PM, like the actual convenience store snarked back at me with a Toomji's video and they're like, how do we know you exist? And I was like, <laughs> I am in a snark war on Twitter with a convenience store and my life is very weird right now. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I, wow. Okay. That's, yeah. That's interesting. Strange road trip is what I'm trying to say, but I, he clearly is like supposed to be some Justin Turner lookalike thing. Anyway, I'll, 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 I'll send you a picture. It's, it's wild. Um, okay. Well, just to, to, to break in on your weirdness, I, meanwhile, am stalking a Batgirl. <laughs> oh, yeah. Carly the Batgirl. Carly she the Batgirl amazing. was fierce. What's that? Carly the Batgirl was fierce. Oh, my gosh. She was amazing. Amazing. Yes. So Yeah, well, we're totally going to talk about Carly the Batgirl in a second. Um, the only other thing I want to say about game two is that Kyle Hendricks only threw 84 pitches. Apparently, he was cursed by the snack giant. Um, and he's on the IL now because that's exactly what the Cubs need coming home to face the White Sox of the Mets is their best pitcher on the injured list with shoulder inflammation. I hate the West Coast. Oh, um, God. Okay, let's talk about fun stuff. All the fun things happened in game three, including Carly the Batgirl. So let's talk about Carly the Batgirl before we jump into pitcher stuff. I mean, okay, so if you didn't see this, and it's kind of one of those things where um, 
you ca- it takes a minute for you to actually like like see what like think about what you saw. So Rizzo was up to bat, and we all know how pretty much every ball coming off his bat, if he's pulling it, is at a very high velocity. And I don't even remember what they said the the Vila was on this particular hit. I know it was over 100 miles an hour. So he hits this screaming foul ball into the right field stands, and the Batgirl jumps up off of the chair. She was sitting down in a chair, jumps up, full sprawl above her, and catches this ball. Now, mind you, the only thing I'm looking at, because we've had this conversation many of times, the only thing I'm looking at is the people behind her whose lives she just saved. And you think I might be being a little dramatic right now, but I'm not joking you. These people were like, neck deep in nachos. They had no idea this ball was coming towards them. Somebody would have gotten hurt. So this girl seriously just saved somebody's face because it, it would have been ugly. But so anyways, I was just, I mean, I, I was kind of all over the place trying to figure out who she was because, you know, I know out in LA, um, they don't just pick randos off the street to, to, to be their ball people. You know, they, they actually are people of significance. And this girl does, she like one defensive player of the year for division two, I believe. Oh, um, nice. Yeah. She's, she's a legit ball player. So I knew she was somebody. It was just a matter of tracking out who she was. So luckily I was able to find her and lo and behold, for those of us that listen, that care and are Bears fans, she is a Chicago Bears fan. So <laughs> that's great. That was really cool. Yeah. So anyways, Sarah's having this, um, you know, snark fest with a convenience store on twitter and i'm stalking a bat girl so there's our life this weekend i mean your life sounds way better than mine i'm not gonna lie i was kind of like admittedly like laughing hysterically but also like what is my life right now <laughs> 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 got this tweet from ampm um yeah carly the bat girl was great and that play was pretty incredible in fact Prior to the Cubs actually like pulling ahead and winning that game, JD and Len named that the play of the game or whatever. And I was like, you know, a game and a series, they did, honest to God. And I was like, you know, a game and series is going poorly when you can't even come up with something the Cubs have done that is like an interesting thing to flag. You have to go to the Dodgers Batgirl for the play of the game. Well, yeah. The people behind her, if they watched the replay, they would also agree that was a play of the game because that was that could have been totally. really, really bad. And she she was awesome. She's amazing. I'm like, I have already been there, done that, played my college softball days. But I'm like, I want to be here when I grow up. Like, that was amazing. I want to do that. That was really cool. Yeah, totally. And and to, to Carly's credit, I think the people behind her did know. Like, at least one of the women was kind of ducking in her arms exactly like I would be if I had the time to realize that a ball was coming at my head. Um, oh, no, so no, I think no. That- Go back and look at the video, because you're talking about the people right behind her. Like, yeah. the people where the ball was going had no clue. Fair like, enough. I, yeah, I am talking about yeah. the people on the first row. Yeah, yeah. No, they were, they were, they were kind of cracking up. I don't think they really understood the, how serious that issue could have been. I'm talking about the family that was up behind her wow. where the trajectory of the ball was going, like where the ball would have landed. Yeah. If you go back and watch the video, and I think I retweeted it on my Twitter, go back and look at that video and you can even pause it and look at the family. They had no clue what was going on. Like they were oh literally God. neck deep in food. Like they were just, they weren't even paying attention. So she definitely uh, saved somebody a long night in the hospital last night or not last night. Yeah, it was last night. So yeah, yeah was- it seems like it was 47 years ago, but it was not. <laughs> it totally does. Totally feels like that. So anyways, ball girl, Carly, you're amazing. 
I'm definitely going to make sure that you know you're getting a shout out on this podcast because we adore you. That was good stuff. Keep that yeah, up. Very much fans of Ball Girl Carly. Um, also, very much a fan of you, Darvish, who went back to L.A., which we all know has not exactly been you, Darvish's happy place, and through seven innings, gave up two hits, one run. It wasn't earned run. It was a home run. Uh, only one walk. And struck out 10 batters. It was something like his 36th or 38th career game, striking out more than 10 10 batters or more. And thanks to Anthony Rizzo being super clutch, he did not lose the game. So he extended his no decision streak, uh, which I was very happy about because I would have been extremely upset to see Darvish take an L on a night where he put up a line like that. But I think Darvish might have turned the corner, Andy. What about you? Um, it, it was, it was very refreshing to watch that. And I'm not going to lie. I felt a little sick for him because you just know it's one of those things where, first of all, it's LA. You're going to hear a lot of whatever, because that's what people will do. They hear their sure. na- neighbor doing it. They have to do it too. Um, and like, you know, everybody was so funny about it. They thought they were hilarious. Well, it's going to be booze this time and not use. And we're like, okay, whatever, who cares? So you just know, and we've always discussed that he's kind of a head case and he's kind of in his own head and kind of, you know, I I don't want to use the word soft, but I've heard that word be be tossed around about him before. So you know that that's that's a thought in his mind that he's thinking about these things coming into the start. And so you definitely, you know, he's like my little, you know, like my little brother. Like I I always want to stick up for him and protect him and not have him get hurt or, you know what I mean? Like I just... I want, I'm very watchful over him and I, you hate to like know that he's going into the situation and definitely going to be uncomfortable and definitely going to be thinking about things and to see him come up with numbers like that and go out there and his stuff was just ridiculous. It was just so, I was like all kinds of jacked up watching him. Like I was like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. Like if this is the U Darvish we can get the rest of the season, this is, I mean, we are definitely on the right path now. Like if he, if this is turning a corner, then yes, we keep this. This is good. It was just, it was really good to see. And it was, I have to say, and I hope people will admit this. I think he surprised a lot of people. I think a lot of people did not expect what he did and he did it well and he was dominant and he's very, now he's, he's become very open about his struggles and even more so that it was LA, you know, I love that he even kind of blasted them a little bit and was like, well, I'm not worried about the first couple innings because they don't have fans there that early anyway. <laughs> I, I know. I was like, Snappy, you is my favorite you. I know. I love it. Uh, I love that he's, he's finally got the confidence to go ahead and say things like that. That's, that means that he's comfortable. And I think that's going to be very important going forward. Yeah, that was great. And I hope he has another outing like that. Also, we give we criticize him when he makes mistakes. So props to Joe for not putting Darvish out there again in the eighth, realizing that he was done and he wasn't back done with the primal scream at the end of the seventh. That was it. <laughs> and going <laughs> to the bullpen like you do. Um, right. So Anthony Rizzo then just decided to become the hero by so Kenley Jansen came in in the ninth. He's the Dodgers closer. We discussed a little while ago, actually, that he has not exactly been lights out Kenley Jansen ever since he signed that big deal. Um, He's still a great pitcher. He still closes the game well. He still has a lot of saves. I believe he got 20 
at some point during the series. So I'm not saying that he is a bad closer by any stretch of the imagination, but he's not exactly unhittable. His ERA is living in the threes, not in the ones. You know, it's not what you, it's not vintage Kenley Jansen. And he showed it in this in game three. The first thing he did was promptly hit Chris Bryant. And for the love of God, <laughs> can people stop throwing up and in on Chris Bryant? Like, I get that you're trying to make him uncomfortable, but stop it. Like, please. Uh, and then Anthony Rizzo made him pay for that mistake and just hit a no doubt home run uh, to give the Cubs their only win of this series. It was outstanding. Yeah, and thank God for that because we easily could have got swept out of LA this series um, yeah I mean it's just it's it's kind of, I mean it's a big downer because every game you feel like you know we came in we got off to great start at least games one and two you know we got the early lead definitely we're in a spot where we didn't feel like we should have been or you know like our offense had not really been doing things like that so it felt really good and you definitely felt like we had the momentum but to just, oh, gosh, you know, and then come back and not be able to score, you know, in both games one and two. And it was just, ugh, it's painful. Well, one number two, I want to make sure that I get out there because this was something that had haunted us for a while. And it's kind of back again. We left 50 on base. I can't year. even. 5-0. 50 runners. Game one, 14. Game two, 11. Game three, 8. Game four, 17. Yeah, that can't happen. I mean, come on. And, and, you know, we can't even say that it has anything to do with the West Coast because we like to blame things on that right now, obviously, because we just hate when our team has to go out there and do all that. They're just not – they're not nice to us. This is something that has been coming up on again, off again, and what feels more like on these days. And it's something that has got to be something has got to give here. I mean, they've got to figure out a way to manufacture these runs. It's just so frustrating. That is way too many guys on base. Way yeah. too many. No, I, I totally agree with that. Um, the I, the last thing I want to say about game three, and then we'll talk more about this runners in scoring position and men left on base situation because it came up on Sunday Night Baseball, is that Pedro Strope, who is obviously not going to be the Cubs closer as soon as Craig Kimbrell gets up to Chicago, had a really nice outing closing the game down against LA. And I was happy to see that. Uh, I have such a soft spot in my heart for hats left. And that was great. Um, Sunday night baseball, the matchup was Jose Quintana and Hunjin Ryu. Ryu was really good. I, he's the ERA major league leader and he showed it against the Cubs. He was just dealing the Cubs finally got to him in the sixth with some of that situational hitting that you've been missing, Andy. But I agree with you. You can't leave that many runners on base. Well, and he's one, and I noticed this with all their pitchers, and Rich Hill I always thought was this way too, kind of has that whiny look on his face, like the second things don't go his way and he's not getting calls or like somebody who he doesn't feel like, and I'm not just speaking about Rich, I'm talking about all four pitchers that we face this weekend. As soon as something doesn't go their way or they give up a hit to somebody that they feel like they shouldn't have, their body language and their facial expressions and everything is just so apparent. And it's like, you could just tell the second, like Kenley Jansen was especially bad this whole yep. series. Every time he he did not get a call, when Jason Hayward was reading his signs and he was getting all mad about that and had to intentionally balk. So the intentional – we have to come back to the intentional balk. Yeah. The intentional balk is ridiculous. That's going to become a thing, by the way. I, I promise you that's going to become a thing. Um, 
so, but I just, it, to me, it's like, you cannot allow, I like that because we're the opponent and I feel like that works in our favor, but as professional athletes, it's kind of disappointing to see these men like be so transparent and be so frustrated so quickly. Like you guys haven't all been that dominant all season that you expect to just roll over us. Like that is, that just doesn't feel right. So like it, it to me, like even tonight, who is the starter? Why can't I think of his name? Right. Uh, yeah. Okay. Sorry. He was like, you could tell when he started, he gave up a couple hits, Albert Almora. Um, and then whoever was after him that got a hit and we had runners on first and second, his body language, everything just changed. And I'm like, guys, that is not, that is not a good game plan. Like that right there, you know, the hitters are already seeing that they're getting to you and you know, they, they're a little bit, they, they got you a little bit shook. I don't know. I like it because we're the opponent and obviously we know that we can get, get to them. But at the same time, it's like, it's a little disappointing because as professional athletes, you should be able to, you know, work through it. I guess we're used to people like Kyle Hendricks. <laughs> I mean, I was just going to say, I feel like this is an advantage for the Cubs over the long term, and they maybe didn't capitalize on it this particular weekend. But this is exactly the type of thing that you take advantage of in series in October if the pitchers are kind of like unraveling a bit and they and they end up in a bad situation. I love that the Cubs, gen for the most part, we have a couple of pitchers who unravel a little bit, but for the most part, don't do that. Like Cole Hamels has been there before and he does not do that. John Lester has been there before and he does not do that. Kyle Hendricks is a machine and you just don't have to worry about emotion getting to him at all. You know what I mean? And Jose Quintana has gotten much better at this in his time with the Cubs. I just don't notice that as a problem for him. And I, and even you Darvish has shown some resilience recently as we were already discussing. So I totally agree that it was readily apparent. I Kenley Jansen looked totally uncomfortable as soon as he had runners on first and second and couldn't do his intentional pock move uh tonight on in Sunday night baseball it was like oh wait now I'm actually gonna have to deal with a runner on second and frankly the Cubs really should have scored in that situation I was disappointed that they weren't able to bring home um either of those runs and they only needed one to tie it I, I thought that the Dodgers got away with one there well, and my, my husband kept saying, because it was funny, if you notice, we've talked about this several times, but um, Sunday Night Baseball thinks Albert Almora Jr. is the fastest thing ever on the base path. And, um, you know, they just kept saying, oh, you're going to see him try and go here. You're going to see him do this, do that. And, you know, my husband says, why aren't they stealing? Why aren't they double stealing? I'm like, because for one, there's no outs. You don't want to run into the first out when you have the opportunity to not only tie, but possibly take the lead you just don't want to make that first out you don't want to make the first out you don't want to make the last out those are the rules I'm just I'm just here to repeat yeah, that. yeah you don't make the rules those are just the rules <laughs> right exactly I just I'm just here to, to let everybody know so um it's just so funny to me like I I just look I'm just I'm sure my face is is priceless but when they talk about Albert Amora Jr just you know oh he's probably going here he's really inching off that base oh he's probably going he's right in that zone I'm like who do they think they're talking about? <laughs> I, I tweeted about this. this. Is not Tony Campana. Like, hello. <laughs> because I was like, what is this? And I, and the exact quote started with Arod being like, Almora runs so well. And I was like, which Almora are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> How many Almoras are on this team? 
Now, I will say, I, I know where they're, I, or I think I know at least where they're getting that from. Almora gets really good reads on balls in the outfield because he's very good at understanding where the ball is coming from off the bat. It's why he makes some of those ridiculous plays that he does out in center that we love to highlight and that I've written more than one piece like breaking down on BCB. But he's getting those reads off the bat and he's positioning himself well. He is not a particularly fast center fielder. And it's part of why if you ever go uh, do a deep dive on his stat cast page, you'll see that he doesn't have like these 98% of people wouldn't have caught this ball type of catches on his resume. In fact, most of the plays that we see him make that were like, oh, that must have been a super hard catch are fairly high probability caught balls because he's not the fastest guy out there. So he has to do a little bit extra in order to get to the ball. And that's not a knock on him. I love that he does that. And I think it makes him an incredible athlete. And I'm glad he plays for the Cubs. But let's not pretend that Albert Almora is the guy that you want on third to like speed home the winning run because he's so fast. Chris Bryant is a better runner. Javi Baez is a better and more instinctive runner. The Cubs have faster guys that you would have much rather (laughs) be in that spot. Frankly, I think that Jason Hayward, had they been flipped, and had Hayward been on third and Almora been on second, Hayward probably scores on that infield high hop grounder because he just would have gotten a better jump. But that's just, I mean, I'm guessing about that. I don't know, obviously. So one thing I wanted to to mention to you, because I know that you are also intrigued by things like this, but that last catch to end the game that Alex Verdugo had in center had a 30% catch probability. 30%. Didn't it seem like it was pretty routine? Like, I didn't think it was that crazy hard of a ball to catch. But that was yeah, only a 30% catch probability. Yeah, see, that didn't strike me as that hard of a ball to catch either. But again, that might be something to do with positioning. Right, um, I'd have right. to go back and watch the play a little bit more closely. That's interesting to me. Um, no, and see, and that's, and, and that's what I always say about um, Amora is he is – such an amazing outfielder and has such great instinct and has learned to take such a great route to pretty much any ball hit in his direction that, yeah, he looks like he's like Speedy Gonzalez, like in every play that he makes, some of the plays he probably makes look harder than they actually are, but that does not translate to base pass running. At all. <laughs> I totally agree with that. Um, so the Cubs did not win because Hora is not, it turns out, that fast. Uh, but I guess we can thank the Giants for handling the Brewers during the same weekend to some extent and keeping it kind of close. The Cubs find themselves one game behind the Brewers heading into an off day on Monday. And then we'll welcome the White Sox to Wrigley Field for the start of the Crosstown Classic on Tuesday We're going to take a quick break for our sponsors and then talk about that White Sox series. All right. Uh, So we are back and the Cubs are back in Chicago and they are playing their crosstown, quote unquote, I hate using this word for this series, rival, the Chicago White Sox. And I... I don't know what to say about this. The series always makes me a little bit nervous because it, the, the White Sox, for what, it, for what it's worth at the moment, are not bad this year. We'll talk about that in a second. But it doesn't even matter when they are bad. They play like this is their World Series. And the series always feels super dangerous to me. What about you, Andy? Um, yes, I have not had the pleasure of getting to go to these games in um, person. I mean, I do watch them in for some reason, I just don't get as amped for these games as I know other people do. Um, 
I don't know why. I just never have, and I can't really force myself to do it, even this year when I know that the White Sox are definitely a threat to the Cubs. I mean, they're definitely playing good baseball. They have some great talent, and they have some guys that are really hot right now. You know, playing the, the Yankees really tough. Um, they have the confidence that you really wish that the Cubs had right now coming off of playing the Dodgers for four. So, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't ever – I understand why you feel like that because – you know, it's probably the same way that I feel about the Cardinals when the Cubs come to town. But I just don't ever, like, feel really, like, strongly one way or the other. Um, I just – I don't ever I, – I don't know why. I just never have. But I, I'm really looking forward to this series. Um, I know they always get up to play these guys. Both do, actually. And it's always – I don't – I just feel like it's kind of a um, – I don't want to say ugly series, but I kind of feel like it's an ugly series. (laughs) No, I mean, I I agree with you completely. I get amped up for Cardinals games in a way that I do not get amped up for White Sox games. I have gone to these games. Um, I I actually, what I, I I don't know how to explain this. I feel like the White Sox care more about these games than the Cubs do. I mean, there was kind of this telling, there was this telling back and forth earlier this week and I forget, I, I mean, this is going to show you how I feel about this. I forget who the White Sox player was that was talking about how much they were looking forward to the series and how important it was. And a reporter asked Chris Bryant about it. And he was like, oh, we play them next. And I feel like that is kind of how the Cubs approach this series versus the White Sox approaching this series. For them, it is, I mean, it is their hill to die on. And the Cubs are sort of like, okay, and so now we're playing some baseball against the White Sox at Wrigley Field. Um, and so that's part of what I think makes this series dangerous is it's an opponent who has a lot to play for when the Cubs don't approach those games quite the same way. Well, and not to change the subject because, you know, it's, it's all very interesting and I know it's, it's going to be a good series, but we have some exciting, fun news on the, on the horizon. So I think, and this is just me, but I think this might be talked about even more than this series. And that is that our big, shiny, red-bearded toy will be pitching in Iowa on Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty excited to see how Craig Kimbrell does in Des Moines. That's going to be outstanding because I am ready for Craig Kimbrell to join the Cubs, even though I'm not entirely sure what roster move would have to happen for him to join the team. I mean, we've gone back and forth. I feel like there's probably four or five names you could drop in a hat, and any one of those guys would be I'd be okay with. Um, dropping down but of course you have to take into consideration their options they have left and all that good stuff so um yeah I mean depending on what day it is I I have a couple of names I could offer up but regardless we know he's going to be here he's coming um you know and uh, yes he's only a a, a relief pitcher he's a closer yes I get that but you guys don't understand the kind of shot in the arm this team needs right now and I think he might be it yeah they seriously could use a little bit of energy um I I mean and I need to go back on that for a second because I think it's whoever came up for Kyle Hendricks to go on the IL initially at least and then you have to look at you know who's going to replace Kyle Hendricks in the rotation um, whether that is internal whether it's Tyler Chatwood or Mike Montgomery or how you want to play that going out a few days but I think the Cubs have a few days to manipulate and maneuver that and then obviously they'll figure out what to do when Kimbrell is ready which Craig, don't rush it or anything, because I don't want you in a Greg Holland type of situation, but um, would love to see you 
pitching for the Cubs as quickly as possible and as reasonable. Right. Oh, for sure. Yes. That's, uh, that's the plan for everybody. I know, but yeah, I, again, take your time, but it is really promising and exciting that you're pitching on Tuesday. I will say though, this, I mean, this just goes to show exactly what I was just talking about. Like we're sitting here excited about Craig Kimbrell and not talking about the White Sox. So let's do our due diligence and talk about these two White Sox games. They, the Cubs will play the White Sox on Tuesday and Wednesday at Wrigley Field. Um, the Cubs are going into that series 39 and 32, having gone four and six in their last 10. Thank you, West Coast Road Trip. The White Sox are going into that series 34 and 35, and they are 5-5 five, five in their last 10. But, I, I, and Andy hinted at this, but I, I just want to highlight they have a lot of momentum after a pretty good series with the Yankees. The Yankees are a really good team, and the White Sox played them incredibly tough. Uh, they've taken two out of three in that series so far. They have one more game against the Yankees on Monday in Chicago. Um, and the White Sox will basically be playing a home series. They've been in Chicago since the 10th of June, so it's not like they have to travel or anything. So just a, a a personal note, because I'm actually looking at who the probables are for Wednesday, and I'm going to be in Chicago on Wednesday. However, I'll be there for my day job. I was going to try, and we are staying one night. I was going to try and make it to the game, and now I may try even harder because I'm seeing that Lucas Giolito is going to pitch against John Lester, and that is going to be one heck of a pitching matchup. If y'all have not heard of Lucas Giolito, you do the research, look him up. He's 10-1. and one. He's rocking a 2.22 ERA right now. This kid is the real thing. Um, you, He's probably the, the second most name that you've heard from the White Sox this year. Um, yeah, he's he looks amazing. He's set to have a great year, and um, I would really love to see him pitch against John Lester. That looks like that's going to be a great matchup. Yeah, he has 95 strikeouts so far this season and um, has really just been – lights out lately I've seen Lucas Giolito pitch a couple of times but never since he's been on this little tear which is really living up to the promise that he's shown for a while I will be at Wednesday's game Andy so if you get tickets let me know we'll have to find a way to hang out um, a little bit beforehand but I believe I'm sitting in the grandstand so I'm going with a friend (laughs) (laughs) the grandstand tickets are so much cheaper than the bleacher seats like I have to limit my time in the bleachers so I can go to more games and I go to selective bleacher games. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, it would be complete last minute, but I'll keep you posted. Yeah, for sure. Um, the <laughs> one other note for this series beyond Lucas Giolito in the last two weeks, the White Sox hottest player has been none other than Eloy Jimenez, who you may remember from deals like the deal that sent Quintana to the Cubs. Um, Eloy is on fire and he really didn't start out that way this season. He is on my fantasy team and I have been just praying for him to get hot, but of course he had to get hot as soon as they were playing the Cubs. Cause that's the way the world works. He's current, uh, over the last two weeks, he's slashing 333, 395, 769, and is just really hitting out of his mind. If you have not looked at highlights of Eloy Jimenez against the Yankees, I encourage you to do that because he basically is just, he was decimating Yankee pitching. It was ridiculous. I'm kind of one of those people that I don't like to ponder on the, what could have been, but this guy is kind of giving us no choice. I mean, I'm, I'll be very blunt. I love Eloy. And when I heard that, and I also loved Quintana even, and I liked the deal when it happened, but I was walking down the street, downtown in the loop uh, on my way to work 
for like from like a lunch event or something and a coworker texted me that the Cubs had traded Eloy for Quintana and I my heart fell through the floor. I was just like not Eloy <laughs> cuz I don't know if y'all remember but he played in the Futures game at the All-Star game a couple of years ago and hit the Western Metal Supply Building in San Diego and made a catch in right field that I thought he was going to kill himself making this catch just like flipped over the wall and this all of this stuff held onto the ball it was incredible. And I just I love Eloy Jimenez. He is a outstanding athlete he's a really good hitter and I am excited to see him play for the first time I haven't had a chance to see him yet but I am pretty bummed that it is going to be against the Cubs I hope he cannot do he can be one of those players that doesn't do damage against the Cubs Uh, yeah I'd be good with that too but I think we know how that works out so he's yeah he's definitely on a tear and he had a good series against the Yankees and good for him you know I'm happy for him he's obviously a good player that we watched come up with the Cubs unfortunately it didn't work out that it was with the Cubs and the bigs and now he plays for our arch rival <laughs> so I mean Lewis is our arch rival I the White Sox are like whatever the rival other rival is what's like it's second funny place rival that. it's funny to say that because <laughs> I feel like it's whoever you're talking to I think because like I, I will say that the Cardinals are a rival, and depending on who I'm talking to, they're like, no, the Sox or no, the Brewers. But I guess that's probably a perspective thing too, because obviously, you know, I live in St. Louis, but I, I always think that St. Louis thinks of us as more of a rival than we think of them. I don't know. If I mean, I think the Cubs fans think of St. the Cardinals as a rival. I definitely do not think of the Brewers as a rival. Under any circumstances, I think that in order to be a true rival, you have to have at least been in the division for like a few decades. The Brewers weren't even in the NL <laughs> when they started. They were like an AL team, and then they came over. They're like, we are your rival now. I'm like, that's not true. Don't try <laughs> like, to tell them that. Don't try to tell like them the, that. You, you are the little brother to the north where you can't even pack your stadium without having these weird deals about like <laughs> no Illinois people can buy Cubs tickets unless it's... <laughs> On the secondhand market for less. I'm like, I cannot with you people. Um, the Brewers yeah, are definitely not rivals. Their marketing department rival. is lacking a little bit. What? Their, their marketing department is lacking a little bit, but we won't we won't go there. <laughs> I think everybody would do that. They just boost the number of Cubs fans at their games. Right, exactly. Exactly. It's outstanding. I'm here for it. And every time they do that, I like set a calendar reminder to check what the prices of tickets are going to be the morning of those games. And they're always like ridiculously cheap. It's like, would you like to go to a baseball game for $7? Right. <laughs> like, of course right. I would. Subhub, of course I would. As a matter um, of fact, we'll, we'll bring your tickets to you. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I guess I'm going to give $7 to some random Milwaukee person who thought they were going to make money on this game and isn't going to. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, uh, we keep like getting distracted from talking about the White Sox. And I feel like there's a storyline there, but I'm just going to let it speak for itself. The other White Sox who has been really hot lately is a name you've probably heard of as well. It's Jose Abreu. And he is slashing 333-362-511 over the last two weeks. So be sure to keep an eye on Abreu too. Aside from Jimenez, Abreu, and Lucas Giolito, Andy, are there is there anything you're looking for in this series? Okay, so I'm just a little worried about this team going into this series flat. Um, we've seen them come off of a very tough series against the Dodgers and 
previous to that, um, Colorado. So we know that they've been through, through some things and White Sox have just enough confidence to be dangerous. Came off a great series with the Yankees. So, you know, they're going to be ready to play the Chicago Cubs team. Um, whether or not, you know, the Cubs are ready to play them is another story. So really, I just kind of hope they can pull something together, at least pull out one win. I mean, you know, these guys at some point, something has got to give, they've got to find a rhythm and they've definitely got to get going and in all aspects of the game, because I kind of feel like, you know, every area other than, you know, you Darvish is showing and, and Rizzo being clutch could use some improvement. Definitely no more left on base for the love of everything. Holy. Yeah. Not we should have like, yeah, we should have like a left on base tracker. <laughs> Although I think it would just depress me like every day, like, Oh, 17 men left on base. That's great. Um, I totally agree that they need to be up for this series and, it needs to be the whole team. There's been a couple of players who just haven't been clicking quite as well as they were earlier in the season. And it showed. It's been hard to put together extended rallies. And part of that is that, you know, the Cubs were playing a Dodgers team that is the best team in the National League right now. But you've got to be able to play those teams and they need to rebound a little bit here against the White Sox. Particularly, I think, Tuesday, you know, they'll be coming in after an off day, playing their old friend, Ivan Nova who's not having a great year and hopefully that will jumpstart this offense a little bit. That's what Andy and I will be watching for. We are, I am also going to be pestering her on Twitter to see if she's coming to Wednesday night's game, because that would be outstanding. Um, let us know what you're watching for. As always, you can follow us on at cup of cubby blue on Twitter and please subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great week and we will be back to look ahead to the Mets series after the Cubs take on the White Sox. Bye.